0: Welcome. Wow, that was a powerful short video right there. Uh, we are talking about, today we're talking about temptation, and we're, we're going to be in a series called X Marks the Spot. Everybody can throw out a big X out. X Marks the Spot, yep. Um, this series is about how where your treasure is, there your heart is as well, and that we are supposed to hide God's Word in our heart. And over the past several years, as I was journaling in my Word, there are certain nuggets that just really stuck out to me that we're going to be preaching on each week this month, and so it's going to be out of the treasures that I've kind of stored away, and I'm really excited to share that with you, so series is X marks a spot. Hey, if you're new with us, we just want to say, hey, thank you so much for checking this out, hanging with us. We hope you have a great time uh, today, and i um, excited about the message we're about to jump into. Now... I want to tell you a little bit of a story, because today I felt like we ought to talk about temptation, because we just had Halloween, and for some reason or another, that time of the year, I don't know if you sense it, but there's a lot of stuff going on in the spiritual realm, and I I even feel like there's even an elevated level of temptation going on. So I felt, hey, this would be a great weekend to preach On temptation, and what better story to share than about temptation than when I was 15 years old, living in Switzerland for the first time, and I got to tell you, it was a crazy experience. I never felt more alive and free. I was kind of just making new friends, getting on trains, driving to different towns, going to parties, and meeting uh, a Freundin, a girlfriend. I learned how to say certain things in German, uh, you know. Hey, you're beautiful. Let's, come, let's go walk. The the moon, is, the moon is full. And yeah, temptation. Temptation was all around. And I remember being 15 and being a Swiss citizen, an American citizen, and seeing all the Swiss flags around Swiss Independence Day in August. I was just in awe of these beautiful, beautiful flags everywhere, all around the towns, and even in the village that I was living in at the time, and I figured, you know what, I want some Swiss flags of my own. I'm Swiss, I ought to get some, and maybe I'll give it to my father, and so I'm going to go hunting for some Swiss flags, right, a 15-year-old, you know, sneaking out in the middle of the night and going on the hunt to steal some flags. You know how this ends really well in the end probably, right? Uh, So I'm going and looking around, and I find a building that's a couple stories high, and I see these beautiful flags up on the side of this wall. I think it was a fire station. And so I managed to Spider-Man myself up this wall. There was like a little metal coping going up for like when a lightning strikes, and I'm 15, and I'm like grabbing onto this thing and climbing up, and I get two and a half stories high, and there's a ledge about this wide. And you get on this ledge, You only half your foot can stick on it. You know, the, you know, the, the, the balls of your feet, right? The front of your feet could stay on that ledge. And so I got up there, and you had to walk like this, facing the windows. And <laughs> so I'm doing this with half my feet hanging off the back, two and a half stories up, cement beneath. And in, in, between, in between each window, there was a barrier that protruded probably about a foot and a half out past the ledge. So to get past that, You'd have to be on the ledge, and you'd have to grab onto this barrier and swing your entire body out over the ledge to come on the other side. Three times I had to do that for three different flags, and they were on these poles. The Swiss are thorough. They put things together meticulously, and so when I cut one end of the flag off, guess what? It was attached to the end of the pole. I'm like, dang it. And so I had to take the whole pole, pull it out of the wall, and let it crash to the ground. And in this small village, the, loud, the, the noise of these flags hitting the ground with their poles were so enormous, I figured the whole Swiss community were all grabbing their M16s. By the way, everybody in Switzerland serves in the military. They take home their own M16. So on Sundays, you hear the firing practice of all the villagers shooting their M16s. So everybody's got pitchforks and M16s in Switzerland. You don't want to mess with the Swiss, right? And so I'm pulling these flags out of the side of the wall. They're clanking to the ground, loud noises. And I am just in terror and shock and awe because I'm about to t- t- taste the wrath of the Swiss. Um, and so I start to panic. And that's when you're stealing things, you should not panic. You should try to keep calm, you know? Otherwise, you're going to make a mistake. And that's what happened. I started rushing, getting across these barriers. And all of a sudden, I grabbed onto the last one swung around and missed my mark. And all of a sudden, the wall, I see the wall just rushing up past me. I see the stars in the sky and I'm falling and I'm falling and I'm falling and it feels like forever and I'm like, I should be hitting the ground by now, but nope, I'm still falling. And then all of a sudden, crack! Hit the ground so hard, my shoe flung off my foot. Landed six feet away. That's how hard the impact was. I broke my fibula completely in half. And my my legs, was, the pain was excruciating. I think I passed out. And I'm laying amongst all these flags laying on the floor. And I, I, I passed out. I think I fractured my elbow as well. And I woke up and my, my ankle was swollen the size of a soft, softball. And I thought to myself, dang, God, you didn't take any time to get me for this one. It was like immediate, immediate justice. And I was like, I'm not going to break my leg and not get my flags. So I take the flags, I put them in my backpack, I'm shoving in there. I'm like crawling up, house, like a mile up this, this village hill, up back to the house, crying, hopping, weeping, like, ahhh. get in the house, big thump through the window, and they wake up and say, Stephen, what happened? And I was like, oh, I was on the roof looking at the stars. <laughs> and oh, Stephen, oh no, what have you done? So anyway, went to the hospital, had surgery, was in there for 10 days. A metal plate, screws. Man, it was terrible. And anyway, the temptation was all around. And I succumbed to that temptation. It was like the flag saying, hey, come get me. One day that same family came back and uh, they were visiting me here. Um, well, actually, I was visiting them in, S- in Slovenia, near Switzerland, where one of their daughters was getting married. And I, I sat down with them and I, and I brought the flags and I said, and, and I brought some other things that I had stolen from them, from their house. And I said, I have something to tell you. And I told them the whole story. They're rolling laughing, by the way. And I'm like, I want to return this to you. I want to ask for your forgiveness. So I even go to your town, ask for forgiveness, and give these things back. And they were like, no, Stephen. <laughs> just, just keep them. Just keep them. And so today, I still have these beautiful Swiss flags. And uh, these things I took and I still have them, and one day I still plan on going back to that town and <laughs> trying to give it back, but um, Bern, this is a capital. This is this is the rich national frag. I love the cross on there. You know, I'm all about that, so anyway, so you the metal pins? yeah, still got the metal pins and screws <laughs> to go with it, and the memory of do not steal, <laughs> or you will lose your leg, <laughs> all right? Um, well, anyway, temptation's all around us, and so today I want to title the message today Temptation, Temptation. Now, if we want to look in God's Word, it's not you don't have to look very far to find out what it says about temptation, and if you don't have an Awakening Bible, we want to bless you. There's a custom one in the back. But even more convenient, you have a Bible right in your pocket. We have an Awakening app you can download for free. You can give, you can listen to messages, um, all kinds of cool stuff on there. So you can download that and follow along. Actually, read God's word to you while you're driving. It's a pretty cool thing. And um, anyway, we're going to take a look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 13. And we're going to be taking a look at the Lord's Prayer. How many of you guys know the Lord's Prayer by heart? Okay, let's say it together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then here's the most important part. It says what? 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Okay. So I, I read this verse and the first time I read it, it really bothered me. It really bothered me. Why is Jesus, when he's showing his disciples how to pray, why is he asked, showing us to pray to God to please not lead us in temptation? But deliver us from evil? I, I thought to myself, is God is God leading us into temptation? Can he do that? I mean, he's God, he's good. Why would he do that? Is God tempting me? These are the questions that I had when I first read this verse. But I'd like to explain to you a little bit more about that. Because really, we're tempted every day, right? Am I right? Temptation comes every minute, every moment. And I tell you what, it, it, it could be the end of the day and we're telling a little white lie. We're, we're, we're just, we're telling half the truth and not telling the rest. Or maybe we're trying to avoid people who annoy us. We're just tempted to just be like, you're out of my life. Or maybe you're on the opposite end, you're like the, the guy who likes to troll the people you don't like on Facebook and post mean comments and you're just tempted to like stick it to them right on Facebook, in front of everybody. Or maybe you're tempted to tell somebody what you really think, you, you. Right? It's right on the verge of our tongues. We have it ready, prepared. We've thought about it countless nights of what we want to say to that person. Maybe we're tempted to give up on our marriage. Maybe we're tempted to give up going the more difficult path of being faithful, of serving God, giving. There's all kinds of temptations. In fact, one of the biggest ones is the pursuit of money and wealth that's one of the biggest ones out there and maybe you have the temptation to escape life through the pursuit of pleasure whatever your drug of choice or food of choice or girl of choice we have temptation like that video and it never seems to really escape us we we feel like we grow in our spiritual walk we feel like we get further along we ought to be further than this I and mean, i'm thinking this what is going on in my head I must not be spiritually mature to be thinking something like that. And, and these type of things go through our head and we're vulnerable, susceptible to temptation, especially in the moment where I called I halt. Everybody say I halt. I halt. It's an, it's an acronym for the I is usually inebriated or intoxicated. If you are intoxicated, you're more vulnerable to temptation. It's common sense. Duh, okay? You, you, you drink enough. Guess what? You make poor decisions. You take drugs, you, you know, you end up uh, cracked out trying to steal somebody's motorcycle and getting in a car chase in Maui. I don't know. Uh, but I halt. So the I is inebriate or intoxicated. H is hungry. When you're hungry, we're more susceptible to temptation. Oh, like, I'm starving. When we're angry, when you're mad at somebody, guess what? Ooh, simple, really quick. You can fall into sin. Lonely, when you're lonely, the L, man, watch out. The devil is there. Seeking who he can devour. And then T is for tired. How many of you are just so weary, you made a real poor decision? You were so tired, you just didn't really think about it, and you're just like, ah, dang. I didn't even think. What was I thinking? My mind wasn't clear. Now, here's what temptation is. It's simple. You can write this down. Temptation is simply the opportunity to choose something over God. That's what it is, plain and simple. And with that being, we said, we're, we're going to invite God's spirit this morning. We're going to pray. We're going to ask him to help us. Um, so bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this morning on what we're learning about temptation. We pray that your spirit would be ready right now and just speak through me, Lord, that we'd be encouraged, that we'd be challenged, and Lord, that we would just grow a little bit more today and that we'd have a better idea of what's really going on in this spiritual realm with temptation. Lord, we pray you speak to me in a powerful way. Open hearts, open minds. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Now, temptation. Temptation throughout history. It's real simple. It's not complicated. It's been around for a while. And it starts all the way from the beginning in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. It's no, no new thing. And it all started when we met the serpent. Let's pick up in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 through 5, and let's read this together. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. I'm going to stop right there. So you're telling me, Pastor Stephen, that God created Satan. And if God is all-knowing, he knew, he foreknew what Satan would do and what kind of role he would have, but God still created Satan. Why would he do that? Why would God create someone, by the way, whose job, whose main role is to be the prosecutor of your life? He goes before the throne of God and, and lays down accusations about you and say, hey, let me rock his world. Let me, let me hurl something at him. Let me take him out. Or look at your servant, or look at your son, or look at your daughter. Look how they're failing. That's his job. He accuses. He tempts. It's not God that does the tempting. It is Satan. He's created and why is he created? He's created for there to be another option on the table. Because God is not, not going to force you to say, I love you. He's not going to make you be a robot. I love you, I love you, I love you. He's not into that. God is a loving God. He's a gentleman. And he is going to create a being that will want to choose into his love, choose to follow him. And in order to be able to be chosen, right? Like if you're with your spouse and they have no choice whether to love you, it's not really like, it's not preferable, is it? You'd rather have somebody who is married to you who chose to be there, right? So the same way God does that. And in order for there to be choice, there has to be option B. So guess what? Satan was created to be option B, fulfill that role and also be that prosecutor, that that thing that is always after us. So God made him. And then Satan speaks to Adam and Eve, and he says in that first verse there, in verse one, he said, one day he asked the woman, did God really say, you must not eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden? That's Satan does. He always attacks. First of all, what God's word says. Right? He says, to you, did God really say that? I've had people come up to me and say, Stephen, hey, uh, I feel like I need to get a divorce. I've used this a couple of weeks ago, but I need to get a divorce. Um, I'm asking and praying God to tell me wh- whether or not to do that. And, and I'm like, you don't need to, you need to ask him. It, he speaks through his word, right? But Satan will come, and come against God's word and say, oh, well, this is good. I mean, well, let's ask God. And then your flesh speaks to you. Oh, yeah, great. It's easier not being committed, right? And we give up. So he says, did God really say you must not eat from the fruit of any of these trees in the garden? And verse 2, Eve says, of course we may eat from the fruit of the trees of the garden. It's only the fruit from the tree. Where? In the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. Okay, let me stop there now. Why would God put this temptation in the middle of the garden. Why didn't he put it on the outskirts? Why didn't he put him up on a mountain somewhere? Hard to get. No, it was placed in the center of the garden. And God, it's like a big shiny red button. God said, Don't touch it. I'm gonna, right here, right? And you gotta walk past it every day. Why would he do that? Something to think about. God said, You must not eat it or even touch it or you will die. Then Satan says, What do you say? He comes again against What God says. He said, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. But God knows your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Now, here's the thing that Satan does. Not only does he question what God said to you, when you know that God has told you, What he'll do is he'll try to sever the relationship, the bond of trust and the willingness to, to, to just follow God. And he'll start to question is God really looking out for you? No, 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 no. He's not looking out for you. He's trying to hold out on you on this tree in the middle of the garden. He's trying to hold you back because he knows if you eat it you will have knowledge and you will be like God. That's a great temptation for this day and age. Many people want to make themselves God. They worship themselves, they please themselves, they serve themselves. They even wear shirts that say, I am God, be your Venus, be your goddess. It's all over. And Satan will tempt us away from our realization of our identity, of our identity in God. Whenever I'm tempted, it's an, always an issue of who am I? Who is Pastor Stephen? Who is this Stephen Fussel apart from being pastor? Who are you? Are you nothing? Are you no one? Are you little? Are you incompetent? Are you a failure? No. You're a son. You're a daughter. You are a child of God. Again, you're a royal priesthood. If you have your identity in order, if you know who you are, then you will be able to stand strong because you know who you are. Now, so Adam and Eve, from the beginning, Satan's tempting them, but God Allows, he allows Satan to do the tempting. He allows it, and and so I I, I ask the question: Why? Well, we go throughout history again, and we get arrive at the life of Jesus. You think Jesus is God in human form? He's the Son of God. He's he is. uh, If anybody doesn't need to be tempted or is above that, it's Jesus. But guess what? Jesus gets tempted. It, are you serious? Yeah, right, right, after he, right after he was commissioned for his ministry, right after his ministry began, he was baptized by John the Baptist and the Holy Spirit descended on Christ. Everybody's watching and then there's a big booming voice from heaven saying, this is my son who I'm well pleased. And then Jesus is full of God's power. And guess what? God then takes him away right after a great victory, right after some, some powerful moment. That's what usually the enemy does. Right before something powerful, right after something powerful, there's an attack. There's a temptation of some kind. Watch out. When you have success, right before, right after, there usually is an attack. So Jesus, let's pick up here in Luke chapter 4, verse 1 through 3. And then it says here, Then Jesus, full of Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by what? By Satan? No. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted by God? No. By the devil for how many days? Forty days. I mean, it's bad enough to get one or two temptations in a day, but to be tempted to 40 days straight while you're fasting and not eating? Oh, boy, talk, talk about the major leagues right there. Jesus holding it down. And Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very, very hungry, right? I'll halt! He was hungry. He was lonely. He was tired. I don't think he was probably angry. (laughs) He's probably chill, being a chill Jesus at the moment. But then the devil said to him, if you are the son of God. Again, what is Satan doing here? He's challenging Christ's relationship to the father. He's attacking his identity. Hey, if you really are this, then, and he goes down the list, and he Attacks him with identity questions of, hey, who are you? And is God looking out for you? I said, "I don't think he's looking out for you. You're out here in the wilderness all by yourself, starving. Now, I can give you things God can't. And he goes down the list and he tempts Jesus with identity. Jesus then, let me ask you this. Did Jesus, after these 40 days, graduate because he succeeded, he said, away from me, Satan, right? And he told, you know, basically kicked him out and He made it through that time. Did did Jesus graduate from temptation? You'd think he would have, right? No. He continues with it the rest of his ministry, the rest of the three years of his ministry, up until the point where he's crucified. Luke chapter 4, verse 12 and 13 says this. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord uh, Lord your God. And he's like, you're out of here, Satan. But then check this out. Verse 13, what does it say? When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him for good. No. No, he left him until what? The next opportunity. Dang. So you think, I I can't graduate from that? I can't grow spiritually enough to where I'm just not tempted anymore? Where I'm holy, I'm walking on water? No, no. If If you're not Jesus, how much more so? Will you struggle with temptation till the day you die? And how much more so will Satan try to trip you up the rest of your life? Now, even at the end, all the way to the end, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's praying to, 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 to God and he's weeping, he's, he's dripping tears of blood, he's, he's overcome with grief that he cries out, Lord, take this cup from me. Take this cup from me. But your will be done. He, he, he didn't want to go. In fact, he'd probably be tempted right there. When that snake, right? That the Passion of Christ, the scene where he's in the garden and he stomps on the head of the snake. I'm sure Satan was there saying, you don't have to do this. You don't have to go on the cross. Jesus didn't want it. If you can, take it from me. But your will be done. And he was obedient. He pushed through that temptation even until the end. Even when he was tempted to lash out to those people who were murdering him ruthlessly, ridiculing him, spitting on him. What did he, what did he, was he tempted to, uh, to, to lash out in anger? He probably, maybe, possibly. But then he says, Father, forgive them. For well, they don't know what they do. So up until the very end. Now, again, temptation is simply the opportunity to choose something over God. Now, finally, this temptation throughout history goes from Adam and Eve all the way to Jesus, and then it lands with us. We're not exempt. We, we suffer through it. And Luke chapter 22, verse 31 through 32 says this. Because uh, in this context, by the way, Jesus was talking to his disciples. But I feel like today this verse has more, even more power and relevance to you. So when you read this, apply it to you here and now, to, to, to Christ speaking to you. And this is what it says. This is what Jesus said. Satan has asked to sift just a couple of you that are ready. No, each of you like wheat. Satan has asked. He has requested. What does that mean? That Satan is doing his job. He's continually going before the Father. And he's requesting. Well, what does a request mean? That means it can be granted. So that means that God can say no. Or he can say yes. Does God say yes? Sometimes to Satan? To sift us? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. But, Jesus says, I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. Wait a minute. Stephen... Isn't there a verse somewhere in there that says, God doesn't give us more than we can handle? Nope. That's not, I'll, we'll get to that verse in a second, but that's not what it says. Not, God never said he'd give you more than handle. In fact, he said, you will have trouble. And I'm not going to shield you from it. You will have trouble. In such a devastating way that you will be tempted to abandon your faith. But I have prayed for you and pleaded for you that your faith wouldn't fail. Here's the reality. Your faith might fail for a little period. But then like Peter, you wake up and you realize, I'm failing in my faith. And that's why Jesus said further here on this verse. He said, but I have pleaded, you, uh, I pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So, when you have repented, what does that mean? That means he's failed. That means we've failed. And you will fail. You will be tempted. And there will be times that you fail. But he says, when you have repented, that means that when you have asked for forgiveness, when you realize that you've sinned, turn to me again. Turn to me again. Don't give up. Don't run away from See, That's what temptation does that leads us into sin. And sin leads us into shame, which causes us to run from God. And God says, look, you're going to be sifted. You're going to fall. Get back up. Repent. And turn back to me. And when you have done that, strengthen your brothers. I was reading that this morning, last night, and I was crying. Because so many times I failed. Get back up again. Turn back to me and strengthen your brothers. That's the love of Christ, is redeeming even when we fall, even when we fail the test. He is there. Now, this is the bad news of Adam and Jesus' temptation. And our temptation, where's the good news, Pastor Stephen? I've got good news, and I've got better news. Here's the thing. By the way, um, this is my mother, Claudia Fussell. She's flown in all the way from Indiana to be here with me while my wife is away in California mourning the death of her grandfather. And she's loving on me, encouraging me. And, and I just realized as my wife is gone, how, how much I have... Underestimated and unappreciated the role of mothers who, who pour in and pour in, and change diapers and nurture sick kids and make meals, and they do it all on their own sometimes. And I just have a whole new appreciation for my mother and for my wife. Um, let's give my, my mom a big round of applause. She's awesome. Thank you. You're awesome. So, the good news you guys ready? Now, Paul. He's talking to the church in Corinth. They were a church that was really struggling with temptation. I'm telling you, there, there's some stories going on in this church. It was out of whack. It was dysfunctional. And Paul, he's encouraging them about temptation because they're, they're struggling with it. As everyone does. Every church does. Every believer does. And he says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. He says, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. He's like, hey, newsflash. You're not going through anything more than what other people have gone through or what I've experienced. Know that you're not alone when you're tempted. You don't have to feel like, hey, I'm the only one who struggles with this particular sin or is tempted in this particular way. But he says this and encourages us. He says, God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. Now, let let me... break that down a little bit for you. There are temptations that God will allow us to face and succeed and pass the test but even sometimes even fail so that we could get a realistic expectation of the limitations of our character and then turn from our sin and become stronger because of our failure and then in turn strengthen our brothers. There are other times that God We'll give us something, and we fly with flying colors, and we're like woohoo! But watch out for pride, lest you get too high and say, "Oh, I don't struggle with that." And then bam, you get hit. So, but he says here, yet your face. Well, sorry, uh, uh, he will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. I believe, and I thoroughly believe, by God's mercy. That there are many of you, most of you are, I'll say all of you, who have not been tested in certain things because he knows you would fail so miserably they would wreck you. And I got to be honest, I'm thankful that there's just some things that God did not put in front of my plate because I would fail. But by God's strength, if he ever does, My prayer with his help is that I can succeed. But many of us do not have felonies on our records only because we haven't had the ample opportunity to commit the crime. Some of us haven't committed affairs or haven't had a divorce only because we did not have an ample opportunity to open the door. It's humbling, but that's the reality. But God loves us so much He knows the limitations of our character, and the the idea is not for God to sit up in heaven and say, I'm going to mess them up. I want to watch them fall and crash and burn, and this is our entertainment, like the real world up in heaven where all the angels get to watch. We get to just watch this catastrophe, this train wreck. It's not how it is. God is limiting temptation and adding or allowing it in such a way that you are led along through a training process to where The goal is to get you to succeed and be able to graduate to the next level. And then make more progress and graduate again. And then later on in your life, you're letting go of hate and anger. And then later on, you're starting to forgive people that you didn't forgive. And later on, you're you're starting to just really screen what's going on in your computer or your phone. And later on, you're loving your wife even more. Later on, you're starting to become even a better father. And later on, you're graduating because you're going through life. And you're failing or you're succeeding. But there is a process that God has intricately designed for you to get you To your destination. Isn't that cool? He's got a plan for you. He's got it all wired up. And his heart is that you succeed. His heart is that you have victory. He is not the one who does the tempting. Satan does that. He is the enemy. Satan is the enemy of our souls. He is the one looking for who he can still kill and destroy. But guard your heart. Guard your heart. Because where your heart is, that's where your treasure is. Guard your mind. That's the gateway to your heart. Guard your mind to what you see, what you look at, what you touch, what you hear, what you smell, who you talk to. Mom used to sing me a song. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Right? For the Father up above is looking down in love. You never heard that one? Okay. My mom was great at those songs. So, Anyway, this is mommy day. I'm feeling the love, mom. Now, so let's finish this verse. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. I'm going to invite the band up right now. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so you can endure. I remember mom telling me, Stephen, sometimes you're going to be faced with an opportunity and you are going to be cornered. And sometimes the only way out is the window. That's what she used to tell me. And I remember back when I was a young'un, didn't know God, and I was definitely headed for trouble. I remember um, just kind of pursuing this girl at a party one night, and there was another guy that ended up marrying her. He intervened, and he was all like, bring it up, how he knew my uncle who was in the Christian film industry, and, oh, I know your family. Oh, they love God. It was like guilt-tripping me, and I'm like, oh, wow, Uh, he's, he did a great job at protecting his future wife. And what happened was is I felt convicted in my heart even though I hadn't given my heart to Jesus yet. Um, before even he came up to me I was feeling gross inside because I knew what I was doing was wrong. What I was trying to do. And I said God you know Mom says, whenever you're faced with the temptation, look for a way of escape. And God, you know what? Honestly, I want to do this. I want to sin. I want to seek this thing out, follow it through. And I know it's bad. I know it's wrong. It's not really loving to that person. Um, So, hey, if you're real, God, (laughs) tell you what. Do something. Do something to stop me. Kind of threw out the gauntlet a little bit to God, didn't I? <laughs> Challenged him, hey, give me a way of escape then, because I can't do it on my own. I'm, I'm on a course to do something. And this, this young man comes up to me and starts bringing up all this stuff. <laughs> it completely, completely just totally got me off track. And it was an angel. It was an angel. That guy, young man was an angel for me that night and i'm a better person because god provided a way of escape all right and if he can do that for somebody who's lost who hasn't surrendered their heart to jesus guess what he can do for you if you're a believer and you're in a your situation where you're trapped you feel like you're cornered and you're giving something that that is like beyond your ability to say no to say god i'm about to do something stupid please stop me do something do a thunderbolt or something that shut down electricity in here or something or <laughs> there may be a fire that I don't know. Somebody catches a cold or somebody doesn't show up. Do whatever you gotta do provide that way of escape. And that's the good news is that God has a plan to take you through a process and even when you feel like you're up against it, there's always that door of escape. Amen? Alright, so sometimes that door is a phone call away. Yeah? And I'm feeling lonely angry, tired, call my mom up. What's a phone call away? Got my mom to hang out with now. Right? There's no more idle hands. Well obviously not because my girls are just taking up all my time while my wife is gone. But uh, it could be as simple as getting signed up on 3x watch, which is a program on your computer that when you go on porn It'll send an email to your wife and to your pastor letting them know, hey, so-and-so has gone to this website. I have that on my computer. And it's helped me a lot. Uh, It could be as simple as getting into a relationship with someone where you're being sharpened and challenged and then you can be held accountable and say, hey, if I'm getting off track or if I need somebody to call out to and I'm getting tempted, can you be that person for me? And maybe as simple as having a conversation with your wife and saying, hey, I'm struggling with this. It may be as simple as, you know, you go down the list. There are doors of escape available to you. Amen? And all we have to do is reach out and grab them. We're going to close in prayer. And we're going to ask God for this. Because someone in here, I believe, is facing huge temptations right now. And you just felt like you were cornered this morning. And we're going to pray for you. You know, about cl- bow our heads, close our eyes. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for what we're learning about with temptation. For some of us, this, this message has hit the spot right in our hearts. And Lord, there are those of us who are wrestling, struggling through temptation. And Lord, sometimes we don't know what to do or maybe we know what to do and we're just just procrastinating on taking those steps. Heavenly Father, we pray you'd help us. And if you're here in this morning, I'm going to gonna do something a little different here because I know temptation is a little bit more personal. It's a little bit more shame involved. Like, uh, I don't want people to know that I'm tempted, but I'll tell you what. We're not going to have you raise your hands with your eyes closed or head bowed. Um, we're just going to have you raise your hand in your heart this time. If you are in there this morning and you have a temptation that is a reoccurring or it feels like it's larger than you or maybe it's getting the better of you and you feel like, man, you need to be able to figure out the way to escape, the way to pass this test, the way to graduate, and you just need that extra help. Right now, would you raise your hand in your heart that God can see and say, hey, I'm willing. Help me. He sees you right now. He sees your hearts. If that's you, if you're doing that, call out to God right now. Call out to the name of Jesus continue to pray this morning if you're far from God and you want to get things on track you want to make your heart right with him you say a really simple conversation to God you you talk story with him and you let him know of your need for him and you may have been trying to do things your own way and trying to overcome all the temptations of this world on your own and you find it's not working well I'm here to tell you that you need Jesus you need Jesus and if you want to do that you talk story with him you say this simple prayer and you surrender your life to him. That's not just, oh, I believe. It's a it's more than that. It's, Jesus, it's a it's a surrender to him as Lord. And, and here's what you pray. And if everybody can pray this out loud together so nobody feels left out, you just say these simple words. You say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I believe you died on the cross for me, and you paid my penalty for my sin, which is death. But not only did you die, Jesus. You you rose from the dead, and you conquered death so that I could be free. Jesus, I believe you're Lord, and I want you to be the Lord of my life. Come into my heart. Wash me clean. Make me a new person. In Jesus' precious name. And if you said that prayer for the first time or you, you rededicated your life to him, you do me a favor. Come up to, come up to me after service. Say, Pastor Stephen, I, I, I said a prayer. Thank you for talking to me. And is there anything that you want to challenge me with or pray for me for? I'd be willing to pray with you after. Encourage you. High five you. And we're going to worship. James is doing a great job, isn't he? Yeah? We're going to dive in, and uh, we're just going to, it's one of the best ways to just overcome temptation to start worshiping. Remember Paul and Silas were in the prison, right? they could be tempted to be like, "What? what is God? Why is he not here protecting us? Why is it, you know, the enemy's questioning who God is to them and their identity, and guess what? They start worshiping him. And guess what? All that darkness cannot stand in, in, in the presence of worship. And so we're going to worship right now, and um, we're also going to offer a um, uh, we're going to pass some buckets to, for offerings and tithes, and this is your opportunity to give back to the major, big ways God's been faithful to you and protected you and uh, provided for you. Um, and, yeah, so we also have a giving kiosk over there you can give as well. But if you're, if you're visiting, uh, new for the first time, uh, we would like you to fill out that contact form so we can send you a free gift in the mail just to say, God bless you, thank you for being here. And, um, yeah, we're going to worship now all together.